Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. This week on Not Sam Wrestling, Adam Cole is here to talk about NXT moving to the USA Network. We're going to talk about NXT going over to USA. We're going to talk about Clash of Champions. We're going to talk about a very polarizing episode of Monday Night Raw. Kofi Kingston versus Brock Lesnar. A whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Here we go. This is it. Historic week in the world of wrestling. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. This is history. I think we're going to have several historic weeks in the next few weeks, okay? Like, I think in a couple weeks, I'll probably jump on here and say it's a historic week, because it, but, but it's true. Both are historic weeks, and we're going to hear be here to cover all of it. This is not Sam Wrestling on the week that NXT, the developmental brand that could, moves to the USA Network to potentially take over the wrestling world entirely. It's an amazing time to be alive. It's incredible, and I feel like this week is the beginning of everything that we've been talking about. Oh, this is going to happen. This is going to be crazy. This is going to be nuts. This is going to be history. This is it actually happening. This is the beginning of everything going down. You got Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong. You got a four-way match to determine the number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship. You got so much happening, and it's going to happen on the USA Network. That's huge. Now, if we can talk about scheduling for this podcast, you remember uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked about the fact that my plan going forward was as WWE and AEW and now Impact Wrestling going on access, as the wrestling world creates more content for all of us to consume, we've all got to match that. I've got to match that. There's more to talk about than ever in this world of wrestling, and it's going to take more time to talk about that than ever in the world of wrestling. So Not Sam Wrestling, the plan is that we're going to move to two podcasts a week. We're going to do the first podcast, which is going to be the traditional Not Sam Wrestling show, the show that you guys are used to, interview, state of wrestling segment, bada-bing, bada-boom. The second podcast will be a a, a reaction podcast. It'll be a bonus. It's not going to be a bonus podcast because it's going to happen every week, but it's going to be the addendum. It's going to be the additional podcast. The plan is every Monday starting, I haven't decided yet. It'll be either week after next or three weeks from now. It could very well, I might start on September 30th. We'll talk about it next week. We'll, we'll make the final plan next week. But I believe that the best thing we can do is starting September 30th, Not Sam Wrestling will move to Monday morning. Instead of Thursday morning, every Monday morning, the podcast will drop, so as soon as you wake up to start your brand new week, if you're in, you know, the United States of America, if you're overseas, it's going to drop at a different time, I guess, because time zones are what time zones are. But overnight, Sunday going into Monday, 
the pod, Not Sam Wrestling will drop every week and it'll be the podcast that you're used to. Then, every Thursday by the afternoon, it won't be first thing in the morning, sometimes it might be, but probably not, we will do an additional podcast that will be topical, no interview, and more of just a recap of everything that has happened that week. So, you know, theoretically, uh, the Monday podcast will have an interview and we will cover SmackDown, whatever, if there was a pay-per-view over the weekend, we would cover that, and then whatever is supposed to be coming up on Raw and throughout the week. On the Thursday podcast, no interview, and we would cover uh, NXT, AEW, and Monday Night Raw. And I think, I think, I think we'll be able to cover just about everything if we do it that way. Now, this week is a very important week. You're sitting here, and as you're listening to this, unless you're a Patreon subscriber, unless you're a Not Sam Shill, and you're a member at patreon.com slash Wrestling. You are listening to this podcast technically after NXT has already debuted on the USA Network. Everybody who's on Patreon gets the podcast as soon as I'm done recording and editing it, which is late Wednesday afternoon, early Wednesday evening. So they'll get it all before NXT debuts on USA. Here's my plan. This week, NXT debuting on USA, and we'll talk about some of it in the State of Wrestling segment this week. We'll talk about a lot in the state of wrestling. But um, we're going to talk about specifically um, what the move could mean. But that's going to sound silly because by the time you've heard it, you it, the move will have already been made. So here's my plan. Tonight, I'm recording this on a Wednesday, obviously. Immediately after NXT, I'm going to head to the Not Sam studio. And for everybody that's a member at patreon.com slash wrestling. I will go live via video. You'll be able to interact and we will do a live NXT on USA post show. That post show will be available to everybody, not just Patreon subscribers, everybody on Thursday afternoon. So you wake up. If you're listening to this podcast, the minute it comes out, then in a few hours, the NXT recap podcast will be up. If you wait a few hours, if you're listening to this later, then when it actually comes out, then guess what? There's probably already two podcasts out. But this week, Thursday, both podcasts are dropping. This episode and then an addendum is coming right after it. Okay? That way, we can get the recap of NXT on USA and we can get it done in real time. But if you want it quickest, I mean, all the content that we make, if you want all the Not Sam Wrestling content that we make, if you want all the Not Sam Wrestling content that we make absolutely quickest and without any advertisements, you got to sign up at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. That's where everything goes first, always. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Clash of the Champions um, in the state of wrestling. But number one, so much has happened since Sunday. It seems like we'd be a little foolish to spend too long talking about what happened all that time ago. And secondly, everybody that's on Patreon has already gotten to experience it. We, we went on Patreon immediately after Clash of Champions on Sunday and did a post-show where we recapped every match. So if you really want to get into Clash of Champions, there's a post-show up there, less than a dollar a week at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. So, before we get into our interview this week with Adam Cole, can we all take a moment to congratulate yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. If you recall, I said... 
that the King of the Ring 2019 tournament would simply be a vehicle for Baron Corbin. And boom, that's what it is. We've had the last couple weeks of Not Sam Wrestling Podcast have been can't miss. Whether it was Matt Tremont last week talking about deathmatch wrestling. And if you didn't listen to that because you don't know who Matt Tremont is or whatever reason, don't miss that episode. It's really, really interesting. Uh, it's a great interview with a great wrestler that you should all be familiar with. But the week before that, we talked to Baron Corbin backstage in White Plains at the Westchester County Center. Uh, and it was a nice, lengthy interview. Uh, and he talked about being the king. And he was talking about how, you know, he's been talking to his wife about how he's going to have to get a new crown. Well, we already saw the crown get crushed. But, you know, I, I did pat myself on the back, as I tend to do, when Baron Corbin did win, as I knew he would. And I said, hey, man, I did it. I predicted this. And a lot of people were cool about it. A lot of people were like, yeah, dude, you're the man. You said it was going to happen. And by the way, I also said weeks ago that Baron Corbin is going to become cool to like. For a long time, he's been cool to dislike. It's going to become much more in vogue to appreciate his contributions. You mark my words on that. And when it does, you remember that I was the one that said, all you Baron Corbin haters will turn around and you'll still boo him because he's a bad guy, but you'll appreciate him in a different light than, than you have in the past and probably won't admit it, but you'll know. And as long as you know, I'm okay with that. Um, but the thing is, there were a lot of people on Twitter that were saying, oh, big deal, last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. That's the most easily predictable thing ever. Of course, we all knew Baron Corbin was going to win. Bro. Don't even with me, okay? There were a lot of people that predicted Baron Corbin was going to win once he got to the finals. But when those brackets were announced for the very first time, people weren't saying Baron Corbin was going to win. I didn't hear it anywhere. People thought I was nuts for saying Baron Corbin was going to win. when the bra- Before the brackets were even first announced, I said Baron Corbin was going to win. I wrote out my brackets before they actually announced the brackets. They just announced which superstars were going to be in the tournament. And I was saying Baron Corbin was going to win. A lot of people were saying Andrade was going to win. If you remember when this whole thing first started, I think Drew McIntyre was the pick that most people had. It wasn't Baron Corbin. But I knew it from the beginning. So I'm just saying, give me my credit. That's all. And don't pretend like you knew if you didn't know. Be honest. That's all. I'll tell you, I'll tell you when I'm wrong, but I'll also tell you when I'm right. And in this instance, I am right. And by the way, We'll talk about it in the state of wrestling. But if you go back, if you go back and you listen to some of the things I said right after Clash of Champions as it pertains to what's going to happen at Hell in a Cell, I was right. Okay? Hey, man. We'll get back to all that in a moment. But I want to talk to you guys about the most, not one of, the most loyal supporter that Not Sam Wrestling has ever had. And of course... I'm talking about SeatGeek. SeatGeek should not only be supported because they are so loyal to this podcast, but SeatGeek should be supported because they are going to make your life easier and they're going to make it easier for you to see live wrestling. In fact, they'll make it easier for you to see live anything. Whether you need tickets to sports, live music, comedy, Broadway, WWE, and more. Could even be AEW. SeatGeek has the tickets that you're looking for 
all in one place. There's so many of these ticket websites out there. It's ridiculous. You have no idea if you're getting a good deal, if you're getting a bad deal, where your seats are going to be. You don't even know if the tickets are going to be real. All of those concerns go away with SeatGeek because you see SeatGeek rates each deal they have on a scale of one to 10. They display them on an interactive seat map so you know where all the seats are. There's green dots that mean good deals. There's red dots that mean overpriced. But hey, the choice is yours. You can stop searching for the perfect seat. You can actually start enjoying the process. And every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you can shop with confidence. It's no wonder SeatGeek has over 50,000 five-star reviews. Look, it's the easiest thing in the world. I have it on my phone. You can search by your location. It can tell you what's playing in your area. You can search by event. You can search by genre. You can search by just about anything. You're going to be able to find the who, what, where, when, and why of everything that you want to get information on that's doing live shows. And from there, you go and you get the tickets. You sit where you want. You get the deal that you want. And you get to show up at this venue. It could be Madison Square Garden. It could be MetLife Stadium with about 100,000 other people. And when you're sitting in your seat, you're going to understand that you got the best deal out of anybody in the entire building. And that, my friends, feels very, very good. As a matter of fact, you're going to get a better deal than even other people that use SeatGeek to get their deals because I'm going to make sure that you get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code SAM, S-A-M, to get $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code SAM, $10 off your first purchase with SeatGeek. Let's get back. Okay, let's get in to Adam Cole. Adam Cole was on the Jim Norton and Sam Roberts show on SiriusXM on Monday. Two days before he debuts on NXT on the USA Network as the NXT champion of the world, he was in New York City at SiriusXM to talk to me on Jim Norton and Sam Roberts. Now, Jim Norton uh, was not in on Monday, so... It ended up just being a conversation of yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, sitting down and talking wrestling, among other things, with the man himself, Adam Cole Bebe. And I figure, you know, if I'm sitting down with Adam Cole for any length of time and talking wrestling, well, that should also be here on Not Sam Wrestling for you guys to listen to. I'm trying to do right by you guys, and I'm doing it. My guest this week on Not Sam Wrestling, the man who is bringing the NXT Championship to the USA Network. Adam Cole, baby. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Adam Cole, what's going on, man? Bebe. Bebe, I forgot. You gotta say the no, full name. No, you're right. Man. You're right. Come on. Especially, We've known each other for years. I know. You're coming to USA. You're being exposed to an even bigger audience for you not to say Bebe at every single opportunity I mean, you'd be doing yourself a disservice. Sam, it has never been more appropriate. Right. I think that that's right. <laughs> it's perfect. It's I perfect. Mean, how amazing is that, though? Like, you know, you always hear when uh, when WWE brings wrestlers in who have careers outside of WWE before they get there, they change the name, they change the character, they change the catchphrase because they want to, you know, because uh, WWE wants to own everything and WWE should own everything. It's their vehicle. But did you ever think when we met years ago, before you got to NXT, before you were part of the WWE system, 
that not only would you be in WWE, but it would be using the name Adam Cole, which you've used the whole time, and doing the Bay Bay catchphrase. It's everything that you've been doing. They were just like, you know what? Everything you've been doing, just do it here. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? When you really think about it. Right. Because, yeah, of course, when you start, you hope that things like that come true. Yeah. But of course, in my perfect world, in my 18, 19-year-old brain, I was like, okay, I'm going to be Adam Cole forever. Right. This is the character I'm going to build. <laughs> and, and at I'm 19, gonna, you're like, right. well, I'm awesome. Yeah. So why wouldn't they I just want me to be all awesome? figured out. And yeah. I'm just going to do this forever. But uh, yeah, in a, in a perfect world, especially because I've had such an attachment to this character right. uh, and developing it and being such a big part and obviously creating the perception of who Adam Cole is. So to think that, yeah, to show up here and be able to further develop that character, but also I'm still Adam Cole. I still throw my hands in the air and say, Adam Cole, baby, and now right. more and more people do it with me. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the I, audience reacts the same. There's just a much bigger audience. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like it's in arenas now. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Which for the first five or six years, I, I know I told you this before, but no one did it with me. I would throw my hands up, yell, Adam Cole, baby, and people would boo. So somewhere <laughs> along the line, after I'd forced it down their throats for years and years and years, they decided, okay, it's cool. Now, were they... When you were first doing it, because you, you get to the ring, you put your two fingers in the air, and you go, Bay Bay! And you could see at first people were like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Come on, you didn't that's, think it was cool from the gate? That's, that's stupid. Why is, he, why is he doing that? So when they were booing you when you did that, did you start doing that because you're like, I'm a villain, so I'm going to do something that makes people boo? Or did you honestly go like, that's a pretty cool thing yeah, to do? No, oh, no. I, I by no <laughs> means thought it was cool. Uh, <laughs> that for sure is exactly what happened. I had seen uh, Joey Matthews on an independent show. Yeah. And he would walk around and throw his hands in the air mm -hmm. with fists in the air and go, Joey Matthews. Joey Matthews over and over again and the people were getting more and more upset and I was like oh this is brilliant this is perfect yeah so I added the baby at the end um and yeah it's even the, more annoying right right exactly so the intention for sure and it worked for a long time yeah was to get people to hate me right so and I used to do it an obnoxious amount of times talking like eight to ten in a 15 minute match <laughs> so literally every one and a half to two minutes. I'd say. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. Yeah, like, we can throw another one in here. <laughs> Is it because you're at a place now where I guess, you know, if you watch the show, I would still classify you as a villain. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think there's an embrace to the fact that everybody kind of likes you. Sure. Right? Like, you don't do things intentionally to get people upset. Do you miss that you could do something like really stupid and go, People are going to know this is stupid. They're going to boo me. Like, there's got to be some pleasure. Like, for a comedian. Yes. If you're going up and you're like, wait, my job, I don't have to get the laughs. My job is to get people to boo me. This is way funner. Right. I would <laughs> right. imagine that when you're like a, a, a real bad guy uh -huh. and your job is to go out there and just do things that people are going to hate, that's got to be the funnest thing in the world. 100%. It is. Yeah, yeah. So, uh... I've come to terms with the fact, especially in a place like NXT mm -hmm. and the the wrestling fan now, even the general wrestling fan, is pretty passionate and really knowledgeable. I've come to terms with the fact that they've been on this ride with me for a really long time, even before WWE. So mm -hmm. there's a certain uh, respect there for me that I think they feel like they've been a part of my journey. Uh, so in turn, they are supportive. But I will say this, the time where it would really bother me is maybe through the curtain, they cheer, maybe they do Adam Cole, baby. Mm -hmm. But as the match goes on, they start rooting for the good guy and they're cheering for the good guy. Like when I'm in there with a Johnny Gargano or, um, or a Ricochet or a Velveteen Dream or a Matt Riddle, I may get a more positive response through the entrance. 
but 10, 15 minutes into that match, everyone's chanting for the other guy. So if you're that's that's what I'm focused on. If you're mid match yeah. and you're getting more of a good guy reaction, yep. are you sitting there going like, oh no, I'm not doing my job? Yeah. I'm screwing up here. I gotta yep. do something to change course. That I normally do. And it works. Yeah. I mean, that's why you're a professional. That's why you're a champion. Yeah, in there, I'm very aware, very aware of that. And, and normally, again, um, our fans are so great. You know, they go along for the ride with us. And lots right. of times they are rooting for the good guy. Um, but yeah, if there's ever a scenario where I'm in there with someone and I, I feel like they're still behind me a little bit too much, I'm like, I have to change something. This isn't working. That's why my mind has always been boggled at the idea of a going from pro wrestling to MMA. Because yeah. in MMA, like you have to lock out the audience and you might find yourself reacting or not reacting to them, but you're certainly not concentrating on manipulating them. No. You're concentrating on killing your opponent because if you don't, your opponent's going to kill you. When you're in a world of wrestling, like your brain has to be so trained to go, okay, I have to get this audience to follow me on the story that I'm telling. I can't imagine shutting that off. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Well, because that that obviously is the most important thing yeah. as far as being a professional wrestler. But then on top of that, there's so many other things you're focused on. You're, the guy that you're in there with, the referee, the cameras, uh, time cues, like you're spinning so many plates at one time that uh, sometimes people forget, OK, I have to make sure I stay in tune with what the audience is feeling, how they're reacting yeah. and making sure they have the best time possible, depending on what your job is. Totally. So, but, but could you see yourself in a scenario where you could turn that off? You know what I mean? Like if you were doing some other athletic endeavor, whether it's MMA, whether it's, I don't know, basketball, whatever you're doing. Yeah. Like, yeah. could you see yourself going like, wait, no, 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 no. I just concentrate on what's happening and not the audience at all. So I would like to say that I think I'd be able to do that, but yeah. I don't know. It'd be difficult, I, right? I'm so used to, you know, it's been over 11 years now where I've been so focused constantly on the audience and how they feel Yeah, that it would be incredibly distracting, I think, doing yeah. something and going, okay, I just have to focus on on the task at hand instead of how the audience is feeling. I don't know. I'd like to say that I'd be able to, but I don't know if I'd be able to. So for those that don't know, Adam Cole, as we said, Bebe, NXT champion of the world. And the reason that he's here is because NXT, what it started as was WWE's developmental area where they would take whether it's people like Adam Cole who have wrestled outside of WWE or people who have never wrestled before or whatever it is and kind of train and allow people to adapt to WWE's style so that when they debut on WWE TV, it feels comfortable. It's not a shock. It's not a, you're ready to go. Um, but as they brought more people in and people started to want to watch the developmental process, people just started watching it as its own brand. And then it launched a TV show on the WWE Network. And then you guys started doing pay-per-views called Takeovers on the WWE Network. And the Takeovers have become the best shows in wrestling, in the world. Um, and it's brought to the point that NXT is no longer... There's like a, a secondary NXT almost, where there still is a developmental system happening. But the NXT that we see on television really has nothing to do with developmental anymore. It's its own entity and brand it's got its own storylines its own champions its own wrestlers you you only see the nxt superstars on nxt and it's gotten so big that you guys are moving off the wwe network and as of wednesday at 8 p.m prime time you're on usa on cable across the nation like is that 
Is that mind blowing that you, you, I would imagine when you come to NXT, you're going, okay, I've been wrestling for at that point, 10 years, nine years, whatever nine, it was. Yep. Yeah. And you go, I got to kind of figure out this system and then I'll move right on and start doing Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and whatnot. Now, I would think that you guys have Wednesday nights on USA. What's the difference between Monday or Wednesday or Friday? Right. This is the spot. You're, you're there. You're like, this is it. Instead of calling up, instead of calling you up to the main roster, they just called the whole roster up and made it a main <laughs> roster. It, it's, it's so awesome um, because, again, I've been with NXT now for a little over two years. And even in that small time frame, to see the growth of the brand yeah. and more and more people come to these events or, or more and more people saying, oh, I'm a giant fan of NXT has been awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've known that the second NXT got the opportunity to be on TV – that we were going to create a bunch more fans. I, I know for a fact so many people who even I haven't even gone to a wrestling show before, but they're like, oh, check out NXT. They have an absolute blast. So now that so many more people get the chance to see us on USA Network is going to be awesome. Um, I, I'm, I'm really proud of this team. I know how hard we work. I know that a lot of us don't view going to Raw or SmackDown as a call-up, but just a move to right. another brand, right? Uh, especially at this point. Now the, the proof is we're on the USA Network. So yeah. it's really cool because, again, uh, I know our team feels the same way that I do. We're really proud of the product we put on. We really do feel that NXT is the best pro wrestling on the planet. So I'm excited. Do you start thinking about things like cable ratings and stuff like that? I mean, this is a whole different world when you're just doing a show that lots of people are watching but it's on the wwe network it's a it's a subscription-based model i mean that's why i love doing a show on sirius because they're like oh what are your ratings and i'm like i don't know right it doesn't matter (laughs) they don't even tell us who knows how many people are listening could be a million could be three doesn't matter as long as people are subscribed you know and 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 people seem entertained by it it just doesn't even occur to me yeah but if i were on traditional terrestrial radio it would be all about the quarterly ratings, the reports coming in every week, the numbers, the numbers, the numbers. So is that in your head as a performer at all? Like, okay, now I got to make sure the 15 minutes that I'm on TV, eyes have to be locked on me because it's not just, well, even if they turn it off, they're still subscribed. It's sure. no, no, no. They have to stay on this channel. Right, right. I, I think, so of course that's going to be something that's in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it's so easy to get distracted by so many outside factors that the most important thing that we have to focus on is making sure NXT stays, stays true to what it is right. and focus on making that show or my segment the most entertaining, best segment that it can be. Right. Um, be because again, I really do feel like, especially as time goes on, I feel like NXT is going to gain a bunch of new fans. I really do believe if you're a wrestling fan and you tune into NXT, mm-hmm. it's a show that you're going to want to watch week after week after week. So, you know, of course, like I said, in the back of your mind, you're going to be thinking about stuff like that. But but generally, especially these first few weeks, I just want to make sure that the show is as good as humanly possible. It's also the show that I point people to who like watched during the Attitude Era and yeah. then kind of tapped out mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Like I go, if you're going to go back to wrestling at any point, NXT would be the gateway, right? NXT is that spot where you get it and you go, oh, this is really cool. Because yeah. that's what it is. It's cool. There's just, you figure out, there, there's just whatever that cool factor is, it's there. Can I just take a time out? I got to tell you guys something. I got to be very, very honest with you. I got to be very, very candid with you. I'm exhausted, okay? I do a radio show every morning. I do this wrestling podcast. I'm making content in the Not Sam studio all the time. I'm doing stuff for YouTube. I'm up there doing Sam Roberts now. I'm jumping on TV with WWE. It's exhausting, and you forget that you're supposed to have a personal life. 
Especially because I'm married, okay? That means not only am I responsible for my personal life, I'm responsible for my wife's personal life. She needs to have a good time, and I need to remind her that physically, she still does it for me. But sometimes you don't have control over that, right? It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It just means that maybe you're tired, and you might not even have the confidence. There might be something going on in your brain where you're like, ah, I don't know if I can impress her with my masculinity and manhood today. I think about it all the time, or at least I used to. I don't think about that at all anymore because of Blue Chew. Blue Chew is revolutionary. Blue Chew is a complete game changer, okay? Blue Chew brings you back to a time where you were always ready to go. There was a period of time in your life when a feather could blow over your crotch and all of a sudden a tent had been pitched. Blue Chew can bring you right back there. I swear to you, your partner is going to be talking to you going, I don't know what you've done with the person that has been sleeping with me all these years, but I like this person better. And guess what? That person is you. On Blue Chew, yes, Blue Chew is going to increase your performance and give you extra confidence in bed. Blue Chew is blue like the color, It's the first chewable with the same FDA-approved ingredient as Viagra and Cialis. Anytime, day or night, full stomach, whatever you need. They're chewable. They work fast. They are absolutely incredible. And it's not like, you know, you have to have this serious medical problem to benefit from it. If you just want to have a little extra function and a little bit more confidence, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. That's what it is. It's a performance enhancer. And since it's prescribed online, and ship straight to your door in a discreet package, you don't have to talk to a doctor in person. You don't have to wait in person, online, at the pharmacy. There's no awkwardness. You don't have to tell anybody about this if you don't want to. But I'm going to tell you something. This partner of yours, they're going to figure it out. They're going to know something different. You can tell them about the magic of Blue Chew. But you don't have to tell anybody else. It's so discreet. It's so private. It's so not awkward. It's so incredible. And they're made in the USA. So that means that they prepare and ship direct Makes them cheaper than a pharmacy. It's incredible. It's a game changer for you and your partner. Okay? Look, you know when you're walking around this life of ours and you've got confidence under your underpants, knowing there's a monster in there that is ready to be unleashed at the drop of a hat, it changes everything. You can be that person. You could be the person who is ready to unleash the monster at any given moment. All you have to do is try Blue Chew. And get this, I can get you a free first shipment. I'm the Blue Chew plug. You need a Blue Chew plug, you come to me. Visit bluechew.com. First shipment is free when you use promo code ROBERTS. Remember that. When you're thinking about how to get it up, think about my last name. ROBERTS is the promo code. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Roberts. Try it for free and have a better life. You're welcome. So, you know, all the years that NXT has been around and growing, Triple H has been the guy who's been in charge of it. And Vince McMahon has kind of, in my understanding, kind of been hands-off and gone like, okay, Triple H, you go ahead and run NXT. But, you know, what the logical conclusion has been and what people are saying is like, look, this is a WWE product. It's going to be on USA. In prime time, like with money now going in and commercials and TV ratings, there's no way that Vince McMahon remains hands off. And if Vince McMahon does not remain hands off and it's a different leadership, how do you stay true to what it was? 
what do you think? Are you thinking about that? So uh, just I'm under the impression, and obviously I can't give a definite answer right. on this, but um, uh, me and everybody else are under the impression that Triple H is still very much the lead guy in charge of mm-hmm. NXT. I, I know it's been expressed to us um, that it's very important that NXT stays uh, what, what built the brand of NXT. So that- you guys are, you guys, there, there have been talks where you guys are, they're going like, don't like sit there and go, okay, we have to do a new show now because we're on USA. 100%. Right. Very aware that we got to this point and we got to being live on USA because of what we'd done to get, get to that point. So yeah. I think it's so important that, again, and, and our team feels this way, to stay true to what, what the brand is and what NXT is. And you think that that's kind of an over, everybody feels this way. Yes. That we're going to keep it. This is the product. It's been successful, clearly. Yep. Just keep it going in that direction. Of course. And do you like the idea? Because, I mean, you're going on Wednesday. There's a competing wrestling promotion called AEW that's mm-hmm. starting on in a couple weeks on, on TNT on the same day. Do you like the fact that there's going to be competition in terms of, I mean, obviously you're on cable. There's going to be cable shows right? your competition, right? Every yeah. channel has competition. But the fact that there's other wrestling happening means that you guys have to be on your game because, again, people could be clicking. Do you like that? Is that scary in your head? Do you even think about it? No, no. Competition is great. You love it. Uh, like, like when you talk about, again, the Attitude Era. Um, yes. So much of what made the Attitude Era so exciting and so must-see was because of competition. Mm-hmm. So I know for sure, anytime there's a scenario where um, – Again, one place is competing against another place, or there's uh, two places that people could watch. It's just so cool for wrestling fans, mm-hmm. and it puts them in such an exciting time, too, to talk about the show and what they want to check out. But again, I, I, there's a reason that we ended up on USA Network, so I, I'm, I fully believe that NXT is going to put on just an incredibly exciting show. Yeah, I believe that, too. I think so, too. And then I guess, I mean, if the, and the, if the mentality is just keep doing what we've been doing, yeah, and yeah. we should succeed. I don't see where that would go wrong. When you, so you've been a wrestling fan forever. Forever. When you go home, do you still find yourself being like a wrestling fanboy or the fact that it's your life and around you all the time and how you make your living, do you now have to find ways to turn it off? You know what I mean? Like if you, even if it's for a couple hours, like let's say it's a Wednesday. I mean, not a Wednesday anymore. <laughs> Definitely not a Wednesday. <laughs> not a Wednesday. That's not going to get turned off. Let's say it's a Thursday. Sure. Right. Per- perfect. We perfect just busted example. ass on Wednesday. Right. We put on another great show. Is there something on a Thursday that you're like, I've got to not, I got to decompress and not think about wrestling right now, or do you, or or not? No, I I, I do that. Yeah. Uh, and I've gotten a lot better about that. Like in my early twenties, it was constantly twenty four seven. My off time was spent watching wrestling or right. talking about it all gotta the time. Got to get better. Got to get better. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I actually feel like it's been better for me to make sure that I have, you know, multiple times a week, even like you said, a couple hours mm-hmm. where I just decompress and do whatever or talk about something completely different or watch a movie or play a video game or whatever it is that just has nothing to do with wrestling. Um, and, I, and I think that definitely keeps me almost constantly recharged, constantly fresh and never too too hyper focused on one thing because i've noticed too even creatively yeah i feel like i'm in such a better position because i i watch other things or think about other things or non-wrestling other things, things yeah. non-wrestling things uh it just helps you kind of think outside the box a little bit too and it's healthy for you so was there anything that you like uh, have fallen into now outside of the wrestling world that you were like oh my god 
there's so much great stuff outside of the wrestling world. Yeah, well, video games. Yeah. Like, like just until, I'd say about four years ago, I got crazy, crazy into them. Uh-huh. Like, my younger brother was the one who always played them, and I would kind of, especially early on in my wrestling career, I was like, that's a waste of time. You don't want to spend your time doing any of that. Now I'm addicted <laughs> to, like, the stories and uh, the cool gameplay and how you can get so invested in a game for hours and hours and hours. Like, you get attached to these characters just like you do in TV shows or movies. What game are you playing? Uh, right now, I'm playing a game called Borderlands 3. Uh-huh. It just came out a couple of days ago. It's called a looter shooter. But I, I'm literally, Sam, I've been waiting for this game for four years. <laughs> I had this thing pre-downloaded, ready to go midnight. Stayed up till four in the morning playing this bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you pre-ordered. Yeah. Which is like the whole pre-order system, because I see like you can pre-order movies now on iTunes <laughs> right. and stuff. Like the whole system is ludicrous because it's, it's a download. There's literally infinite stock. Only advantage of a pre-order yes. is uh, on the console, it actually preloads the game. So at midnight, you can oh, play it. Oh. So Whereas you don't, it's a big game. Yes. So if you buy it afterwards, you got to wait three, four hours till the thing downloads. And so. you know, you can't be doing that. I can't, I can't wait three or four hours, Sam. That's playtime that you could have had. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 1230, I was in deep, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, and do you, that day, when Borderlands 3 comes out, yeah. do you go, I got to, I got to, I got to condition myself. I got to sleep in in the morning. Got to take a nap in the afternoon because this is getting my evening. Right. I was you fully did. prepared you knowing were. that, okay, I'm going to be exhausted tomorrow, but there's a point where I can take a nap here. I'll get to bed nice and early. There's another time for me to play. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Fully invested. Yeah. And a little bit of planning. And you have a girlfriend or is she your fiance or? Girlfriend. 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 Okay. We live together though. Okay. That's so okay. Very All serious. right. So it's very yeah. serious. Do you have to explain to her, like, look. I got to take a nap in the afternoon because <laughs> I got this game coming. I need to not be disturbed because there always is like stuff. Like I talk to my wife because we have unconventional jobs, right? Sure. So there will have stuff come up where I'll go like, Jess, I need the afternoon just to myself. Just like I, I'm going to need a nap. I need you to keep the kids away, blah, blah, blah. And then I hope that she doesn't ask why because she'll go like, well, why is that? And then right. it'll be something like stupid. <laughs> like, Well, fortunately for me, uh, she – just works her tail off all the time. Right. So anytime I suggest a nap and she's home, mm-hmm. she's amped. She's like, let's take a nap together. This is perfect. <laughs> uh, so it's it's never too much of a problem for me to to say, hey, I'm going to make sure I take a nap. She gets excited. Yeah, your girlfriend is a dentist and a wrestler, right? Yeah. So do you sit there when you got somebody living in the house that's both a dentist <laughs> and a wrestler and you're like, I'm just a wrestler, <laughs> even though you're the champion of the world? Yeah. Even though you're going to be on USA, even though everything's coming up Adam Cole, do you sit there and she's also a wrestler, it's going to be on TV, and also a dentist? Do you go like, oh, I can't really, like you can't come home and complain. Like I can, because my wife stays home. And even when she's like, you know, I've been with the kids all day, I go like, oh, I mean, honey, the rat race. I got to talk for three hours a day. It's it's impossible. It's so difficult. I hate it. <laughs> she, she works so hard right. all week. Long days. Right. Uh, she travels far for her job as well. Yes. And then all weekend, so busy. Right. Nonstop. So yeah, me being like, oh man, I'm so tired from my four days on the road right. after she's been working every day for four weeks straight. Yeah, I don't really have much room to complain. And no. It's a bummer. No. It's she's a like, bummer. She's like, just a wrestler then, huh? That's all? No? You're not a doctor? Okay, I'm a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever at any point think about doing anything either besides wrestling or going like, well, I'm going to need 
a day job in case this doesn't work out. Yeah. So I like, didn't I'm need a profession. Right. Right. Like I, I was really adamant. Um, like again, nine, 10 year old me was like, Oh, I'm going to be the next stone cold Steve Austin. That's, oh, you're pretty that's sure. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did have a day I'm sure job. You, by the way, you were the only nine or 10 year old that thought that because <laughs> it's just going to be the one and it was just you. Right. Everybody else was like, no, it's going to be Adam Cole. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did early on in my independent career, I did work at a retirement community. That was like my side job because I wasn't making near enough money right. to wrestle. Like when I first started, I wasn't making any money. Um, so yeah, I worked in a retirement home and, and I taught kids swim lessons also. So I would work. I I had the my girlfriend's schedule. I right. did the work during the week, wrestle on the weekend. So But it wasn't like uh It was not being a doctor. It wasn't a doctor. <laughs> like when you're a doctor, it's like this is come on. What I do, there's a title with it. You're like, Yeah, well, I spent six months in a retirement center <laughs> helping old people. Not near as exciting. You know, right changing now. out bedpans. <laughs> You're just. You're I actually like, worked in the fitness center. Oh. So I was there more to keep an eye on everybody and make sure everyone was safe and okay. And then uh, also did kids swim lessons so in, in the same facility. Oh, okay. So yeah. you, but you never had to change a bedpan. I never did. Okay. Because I was never thinking did. like, if you want to be the next Stone Cold, and then you remember when he hit Vince McMahon in the head with a bedpan, <laughs> but then you're actually changing bedpans. <laughs> You'd be like, this isn't, I think the universe got everything mixed up and this isn't what I was thinking at all. (laughs) So you, did you ever, were you ever, uh, in your nine years that it took, cause some people get to WWE, not wrestling one match. Like they get into the performance center and they're, they're there. Mm -hmm. Some people, it takes them two years. Some people, you know, you just never know. So in your nine years, did you ever think to yourself, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to be the next Stone Cold. Maybe I'm just going to be one of these journeymen who just kind of do this independently and that's that. And I'll just, you know, watch my dentist girlfriend or whatever. Sure, right, she'll, right. she'll make enough money that I can also wrestle. So I always obsessed on uh, trying to get better and improve and things like that. But when it came to losing focus of what my goal was, no, I, I was always b- believed in myself enough to say, Hey, you know, I, I'm going to make this happen and not saying I'm going to be the next stone cold Steve Austin. Like <laughs> yeah. that has it, but like just, developing my own brand i've always been confident because fortunately for me even though it was nine years to get to wwe mm-hmm. there was still like a, a slow but steady progression right. right like each year i was a little bit higher up on the totem pole right so to say uh, and, and that's outside of wwe so and you was, could recognize that as it was happening yeah okay. yeah exactly so it wasn't like one of those things where um i felt like i was stagnant at any point mm-hmm. um Little things like, you know, going to Japan and things like that and traveling a lot more and just, yeah, overall succeeding a lot more. Yeah, I guess sometimes people, and I think that's where people get mixed up. Like, you have to look at, like, the. I think the only way you can really judge what's going on in whatever career you have is to figure out, just think about where you were a year ago. Yep. And go, is it better or worse? Even if it's that, that little much better. If it's, you know, if it's still better. If it's a tiny bit better, you're like, okay, we're still on course. We're still on the right track. Did you have any setbacks where you were like, I think this is it? And you're like, nope. That's not it. I thought this was going to be the moment where I got the big call. I thought this was going to be. Nope, that wasn't it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. There, there was a phase, actually, um, I'm trying to remember. It was like 2013. I had done a tryout for mm-hmm. WWE. And uh, long story short, I got a phone call and was told, just so you know, it's a unanimous yes. Uh, like every single coach is saying yes to you. So get ready to come down here. And that wasn't an official call. That was like a, hey, buddy, just so you know. Yeah, that yeah. was like a friend call, which gotcha. still, though, I it's was great. so amped. Um, I was the, the television champion at Ring of Honor at mm-hmm. that time. So I like lost the championship. Like it was a, I was going. You told them, you were like, I'm going to. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. um, 
yeah, I just thought I was going. And it was, again, it was pretty apparent, like, okay, this is the real deal. Yeah. Until um, a few weeks later, yeah. I got a phone call saying that, hey, it's not a no forever, it's just a not right now. Um, so I was crushed. And yeah. I felt like such a dummy, you know, telling the company I was working for, like, hey, I'm out of here. Oh, just kidding. And then you're, um, yeah, you're like, uh, hey, Ring of Honor, number one, can I have yeah. my job back and also with the championship again, please? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I, I've said this before, too. I would not have changed that for the world. That yeah. was that was the start of a really big run for me uh, on the independence. Um, yeah. So, and, and I don't, really don't know if I would be who I am today in WWE if it wasn't for that not right now answer that I got. So well, it, yeah, it was because, huge for me. Uh, yeah, you get to sit there and you don't realize it at the time, but you get to build a reputation and get better and better and better and build an audience outside of that so that when you do come into WWE, there's this entire fan base that not only knows who you are, but they're all amped. You get to come in during a main event and everybody's like, holy shit, he's here. This is incredible. Because that was the thing is when I... I did the tryout and was told you're going. I hadn't worked any main events. Right. Like I was by no, I was like a mid card guy who was just getting his feet wet. And that would have been the time where you would have gone in and you wouldn't have been Adam Cole no way. and you wouldn't have been Bebe Ying. Not a chance. And you, yeah, you would have been, been a totally different person. Yeah. So it was absolutely for the best. And, and I think it worked out perfectly. I have to tell you that, uh, I don't know if you saw handsome Rob here outside. This is our guy. He's our yep. video guy. But, um, he came in during the commercial break and he goes, uh, Adam Cole's outside, and I go, okay, yeah, tell him to come in. And he goes, oh my god, I just saw his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're incredible. I go, what? And he goes, he's got the most incredible eyes. Is that? Am I lying, Rob? Did you not? I mean, I feel like I. Here's my thing. I feel like if if a man's gonna be complimented, I know. That if I have people talking bad behind my back, mm -hmm. keep it behind my back. It doesn't make me feel good. Sure. But if there's compliments behind my back, let Share me it with know. The world. Share it. Yeah. I'm not going to be bashful about it. I'm good at taking compliments. I would hope that you are too. That's what you said, right, Rob? Yes, Adam has lovely eyes. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. And you noticed him right away. Yes. That was yeah. the first thing I noticed. Have lovely you been told eyes. that before? Excellent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. By uh, young producers, obviously, yeah. men, women, yep. Yep. yeah, just old ladies, yeah, just beautiful eyes. This is what you know. They say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Not true. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you actually are, if your eyes are that great, you're gonna hear it everywhere you go, right? <laughs> right, right. What has there been any uh, shocking culture shock? I don't want to say shocking twice, but has there been any culture shock uh, in? Getting to the WWE and now you're, especially, you know, now that you're the, representing the NXT brand as it comes to USA, like it's an, it's, it's a very high level, sure. higher level than you've been before for oh, sure. Yeah. Is there a, 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 any sort of culture shock that went with that? As far as NXT being on USA Network? No, now? and just for you, like when you're like, oh, my life is different or I didn't expect it was going to be like this or yeah. I didn't know that it would feel like this to get this kind of recognition. Okay, sure. Uh, or like, this is what it feels like to have action figures on the shelf of Target. Right. Right? Right. Yeah, and this all happened so fast, it seemed. It's amazing, the again, the scope of WWE and seeing so many cool things that have come from, from working here now. Like you said, the action figure was right. like such a crazy thing. Right. To be able to uh, like show my mom my action figure was so, so cool. Yeah. Um, but I think this job moved so fast. And fortunately, I had had experience prior to working main events of really important shows. So as far as the actual wrestling, yeah, I didn't feel too uncomfortable in that environment. Right. But yeah, seeing the, like, 
And you're um, in a video game. I mean, you're a video the, game exactly. guy. Exactly. You got to. You're in. I'm an achievement. Video games. Get this, okay? There's right. a secret achievement in the game called Bebe, and you get ten <laughs> gamer points if you win a match as Adam Cole. That's almost cooler than being in the game. It's named after the stupid catchphrase you made up <laughs> to get people to boo you. They put the right. catchphrase in a game so that they could achieve the honor. Of having your character. It's life is crazy. It's crazy. Sam. It's crazy. <laughs> do you sit there and go like, oh my God, how do I deserve all this? Or do you go, I busted ass. This is what this was all for. A little bit of both. Yeah. So yeah, generally speaking, of course, I've never been uh I've never been uh I, I know the character is, but I myself am not a, like a crazy like I deserve all this. I'm very aware that I'm owed nothing mm -hmm. uh in wrestling and and I do make sure I appreciate all the cool stuff that comes with it. But then at the same time, part of what keeps me going is saying, hey, I, I've been working my tail off for 11 years, and, and I do deserve this, and I'm going to make sure I keep working hard. Um, so yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah. Well, Adam Cole, NXT premieres on Wednesday. This when, Have you wrapped around your, your head around the fact it's the day after tomorrow? No. Like, it's not no. this sort of thing where like, yeah, we're, we're, it's, 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 it's going to happen. Yeah. Like we're, we're headed in that direction. It's like, it's no, no, no. It's crazy. We are days away. And you never, this. I mean, NXT hasn't even done live television. Right. You're right. going to go week to week doing live TV for the first time now too. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's, is a major undertaking. Again, so excited. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of us work best under pressure and this is a ton of pressure. Yeah. So to have that environment for everybody to feed off of each other, the fans are going to be extra amped up because it's live on USA. Yeah. I'm excited, man. It's I'm gonna, excited. It's going to be amazing. Wednesday at 8 p.m. Mm -hmm. on USA, you can watch NXT. Uh, you guys are going to love it. Trust me when I tell you. And Adam Cole, I've now interviewed you on a motel balcony in Reseda, California, <laughs> and on a morning show on Sirius XM. So congratulations to you. Congratulations to you. Well, thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> Bear with me for a sec. Allow this interruption and allow me to tell you guys that this is going to be your last chance for a free two-week trial of Monday.com. Hopefully over the weeks, you've heard me talking to you about Monday.com, and you now know why you need to take advantage of this opportunity. For free, you can see how Monday.com can save you crazy amounts of time at work. That's why I don't recommend to Monday.com for those with billable hours if you purposely want to be inefficient at work. If you want to take as much time possible to do as little as possible, Monday.com is not for you. In fact, it's going to be a terrible, terrible thing. You'll be sitting there tweedling your thumbs, and nobody wants to pay somebody who tweedles thumbs. You better hope your boss isn't listening to this ad, as a matter of fact, because your boss is going to realize that he can get the most out of his employees, and he can get the most out of his time through Monday.com. If you're a normal person, and you want to make your job easier, if you want to be more productive at work, check this out. Monday.com, it's an easy-to-use project management tool the platform suitable for any size team okay whether your team is you and hot dog maybe intern reed there's not that many people in the not sam organization however the not sam organization could grow it could grow to thousands across the globe and if it were to grow to that extent which let's be honest it will monday.com can still be just as effective it's that's because it's easy to use and it's very, very flexible to set up. And like I said, the Monday.com people know how incredible this tool is. And that's why they're willing to let you try it for free. They know once you try it, you're not going to want to go back to your life 
beforemonday.com. They know that you're going to be hooked on being able to customize your workflow and remove miscommunications from your workday entirely. So right now, go to monday.com slash not Sam. They're going to give you a free 14-day trial, and this offer is only good for another month or so. Don't wait on this and continue wasting time at work. Go to monday.com slash not Sam for a free 14-day trial and make sure you use that exact URL, monday.com slash not Sam, because if you're using my URL, there's going to be additional savings should you choose to sign up. monday.com slash not Sam. Let's get back into it. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Hey, welcome to the State of Wrestling this week on Not Sam Wrestling. Of course, the top five stories of the week in this world of sports entertainment, as declared by yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. It was a very interesting week, you know. I guess we'll start with number five, which, as I said at the top of the show, I think I mentioned it at the top of the show, we covered in depth over on patreon.com slash Wrestling on a bonus show that we put out. But uh, I'm talking about Clash of Champions, so... Um, you know, as we talked about on the bonus show, I think, uh, Clash of Champions was overall very good. The matches, for the vast majority, most part, I mean, I don't think there were any bad matches, and most of the matches were really good. Um, I thought, uh, the Sasha Banks-Becky Lynch match itself was the best match. I thought the ending of the whole pay-per-view was phenomenal. Uh, where you have The Fiend laying out Seth Rollins, and it really did launch The Fiend into the role that continued on Monday Night Raw, which we'll talk about as we go on. Um, And I thought the surprise return of Luke Harper and the much more aggressive, dominating side of Eric Rowan, and to have a 2019 where Shane McMahon and Eric Rowan are the two people who have pinfall victories over Roman Reigns is... Uh, mind-blowing. But I think those were the real standout highlights of the show. And that the show um, moved everything forward. That's always a good thing. That the show did not leave you going like, what? What? Are we, what? It pushed everything forward. You know, I the uh, there was a lot going on with, with the wrestling websites and the journal wrestling journalists, quote unquote, I, I'll say wrestling journalists. Now we had our, our, our is wrestling journalism or not discussion on a, a previous podcast when David Bixen span was on the show. And I really, really enjoyed that show and having him on. Um, so I, I will say wrestling journalists, uh, they caught quite a beating. Some of them, I think, uh, Meltzer fair or unfair, caught a beating over saying Luke Harper would not be returning. And then, you know, two days later he returned. Um, You know, wrestling journal, also a lot, a couple of wrestling journalists caught a beating for uh, the Sasha Banks Chronicle, which was really, really good. I would recommend the Sasha Banks Chronicle. Um, Gives you some insight into what's going on in her head and what has been going on in her head. You know, I think odds are Sasha Banks just probably left because she was burned out and wanted time off and then she got it. Like, I, there may not be that much more than that, but she gets into her depression. She gets into, you know, a side of things that uh, I think most people who uh, have their dream job and are still, for whatever reason, not happy, it's tough for, for them to talk about because it's tough to get sympathy for stuff like that when you have your dream job. But there was a, 
flack thrown to wrestling journalists who reported that, you know, Sasha Banks had left after uh, spending WrestleMania crying on the floor of the hotel locker room, I mean, of the women's locker room and then of the hotel and of the WrestleMania party, wherever she was crying. I don't remember where the report said. Um, but she specifically said on this Chronicle that that's, that was ridiculous and not true. Um, which, you know, I b believe Sasha. I believe that that is not true. I believe that that didn't happen. Um, but I also believe that there could have been miscommunications. There could have been informants that weren't that good to some of these wrestling journalists. That's possible. Miscommunications happen. I will say it's not part of the Clash of Champions story, but it has been very entertaining to watch wrestling journalists going at each other uh, on Twitter this week. And not because, you know, they're cannibalizing each other. I actually think that wrestling journalists appear to be policing themselves. I, I, I love that good wrestling journalists, people that I consider good wrestling journalists, are calling out bad wrestling journalists. And the people who have integrity in what they do um, and take pride in what they do and, and approach it, at least attempt to display journalistic integrity, are calling out those that they feel do not and that make things up and that do not have the same integrity. You know, I think that uh, I think that that should continue, not only because I'm entertained by it, but for the health of the industry of, of, of wrestling reporting. I think it's a very good thing that, that people who do it, you know, without respect for anything and that make things up or that are just not, that are making all journalists, wrestling journalists look bad. Um, I think they should all be called out. And I think they should be called out by people who consider themselves good wrestling journalists. You know, I think that shining a spotlight on somebody in your profession who you think is a hack, especially if it's true that they actually are a hack, I think that that's a good thing, you know, because I think that sometimes people don't know who are the hacks and who aren't. So go ahead and point them out. I think it's great. Differentiate. Police. It's wonderful. It's good. It's 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 righteous. And I think that that's a good thing. But um so yeah, I thought uh, Clash of Champions um generally speaking was a, a a success. A success, you know. I thought that uh some of the matches were pretty straightforward. I thought that some of the time on the pay-per-view, it was like, okay, you know, that wasn't bad, but it also wasn't like, whoa, you got to see this. It was like, yeah, that's that's probably the way that should have gone. Pretty straightforward. But then, you know, it had what you need. It had its moments. And I say that it's good that it pushed the story forward because I feel like I should be a wrestling journalist. The way I go, hey, uh, see, if I said, I hear that Baron Corbin is scheduled to win the King of the Ring instead of saying, I think Baron Corbin's going to win the King of the Ring. There are wrestling journalists that act like that. These are the people that are getting called out, and I like that. I like that those people are getting called out. Um, but I feel like if I were presenting, if I were a hack and presenting the stuff that I do as fact instead of just some stuff I'm making up, I would look like I really had a, a, a I was very informed instead of just somebody, uh, not Sam Stradamus is what I've been called for a couple reasons. Number one, obviously the Baron Corbin thing. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. But for those of you lucky enough to be not Sam Shells on Patreon, if you listen to the Clash of Champions pay-per-view uh, uh, pay-per-view recap immediately after the show, I said a few things. I said, number one, it's clear to me, first of all, obviously we're going with The Fiend versus Seth Rollins. I don't think that that's a bold prediction. I think that literally every single person that watched the pay-per-view was like, okay, that's where they're going. Um, but the two things that I did call out 
One of them has already been announced as official. The other, I believe, will be announced next week, in my opinion. Uh, however, as a hack wrestling journalist, I would say, my sources tell me. So um, I think that uh, uh, I, I said right after the pay-per-view, well, not only is now because they went all over the building, are Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch going to have their rematch at Hell in a Cell? But I believe that match will take place inside of a Hell in a Cell. And somebody tell me that Becky Lynch has an, any kind of advantage in that match. Preposterous. Becky Lynch acted in a, a bit of cowardice in that match. You know? Getting herself disqualified and then holding the title up like she had won something. And she gave Sasha Banks that beatdown, but it seemed like a desperation move. Sasha Banks didn't need to resort to desperation, and she's been in Hell in a Cell matches before. Just saying. Just saying. Something has Becky Lynch shook up. The other thing that I said uh, on the post-pay-per-view show was that I think we're going to see Luke Harper and Eric Rowan take on Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns. I believe that will happen. And I still believe that even after the beatings Daniel Bryan is taking, that Daniel Bryan will turn out to be the leader of Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. But it will be he'll, he'll, when he rejoins with both of them, I don't think they're going to join the... They're not doing the Wyatt family again. I hope they're not doing the Wyatt family again. But I think Eric uh, uh, Daniel Bryan will be... Uh, th that will be a faction. But they will do it in a way where there is no central leader. And Daniel Bryan will say, I'm not the leader. He's not the leader. He's not the leader. We're all one collective unit. Because that's how we should live anyway. Um, I think that... Uh, he will talk about the beatings that he took as sacrifices that needed to be done uh, for the good of the team. Uh, and I think this for a couple reasons. Number one, I don't see Daniel Bryan going back to being a good guy, and I don't know what Daniel Bryan has if he's just getting beat up by Eric Rowan and Luke Harper and then moving to the next thing. I don't know how, how does he come back and be a good guy unless they're going to do Eric Rowan and Luke Harper versus Daniel Bryan. Is a, I don't know. Um, and... Braun Strowman cleared out both. The whole tag team championship scene was cleared out by Braun Strowman, right? The Revival are the tag team champions of the world. On one show, you've got the tag team champions getting cleared out by Braun Strowman as he's clearing out other people too, right? So it's not a difficult task for him. On, the, on another show, you've got this tag team, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper, destroying Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan. Clearly... Eric Rowan and Luke Harper are not going to be in the tag team title scene immediately because they're way better than any other tag team in the division, and it wouldn't exactly make things competitive. At some point, they will probably be back together uh, as a tag team in the tag division. But for now, they're playing in that main event space. And if they're going to play in the main event space, what happens after a match with Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns. I think the only thing that could happen is Daniel Bryan joins them and they become a main event faction. Otherwise, they just stay a team and win or lose, you start to ask, if it's just the two of them, why aren't they the tag team champions? So I think that Daniel Bryan uh, and Roman Reigns will face Harper and Rowan at Hell in a Cell and I think that Daniel Bryan will turn on Roman Reigns and uh, create a faction where there is no central leader but a collective It'll be a collective community between Daniel Bryan 
Eric Rowan, and Luke Harper. I'm very excited to see Luke Harper back. Um, I was a huge fan of the Bludgeon Brothers. Um, I was super bummed out when uh, Harper went down with the injury. Uh, so I'm really glad that the two of them are back together uh, and dominating people again. I think it's great. Uh, story number four this week. Story number four comes from uh, AEW. The name of their television show was announced. It's AEW Dynamite. Uh, of course, they're on TNT. TNT, you know, meaning Turner Network Television, but also TNT is a bomb. Uh, Nitro, TNT Nitro, TNT Dynamite. So, first of all, I don't think the name's that important. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be about what's on TV. I personally think they should have just called it AEW. Like, there is no other TV show. It wouldn't be confusing. It's the only promotion that's going to be featured. If they came out with a second TV show eventually, then you could name that show or whatever. But I just don't... Like, the same reason... The same way NXT on USA is named NXT on USA. You know, I think that that is what it is. When, when Raw first came out on the USA Network, WWE had Raw, Superstars of Wrestling, Wrestling Challenge... All-American Wrestling, it turned into the Action Zone. Like, they've always had multiple TV shows. And if they only had one TV show, it was just the WWE Superstars of Wrestling. Right? It wasn't... And that was just because what you called it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't... I don't think that a company with only one TV show even needs a name. Um, I also don't know why you would want to draw similarities to Nitro. Like I know, '90s nostalgia is is is, is hot right now, um, but Nitro wasn't successful ultimately. So I just wouldn't want that kind of energy around me personally. I would want to uh, uh, distance myself entirely from the entire WCW Nitro brand because it had a couple good years, but ultimately was unsuccessful. Uh, but realistically, so you know, yeah. So I mean, if it were up to me, I, I I liked it when it was just AEW on TNT. Ultimately, the name doesn't matter. Like, ultimately, all that matters is what's on the show. Um, and there's no reason to believe that that's not going to be a good show. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting that that's the name. I'm not certainly not blown away by it. No pun intended. All pun intended. What pun, Sam? Blown away. Dynamite. TNT. Hello. So... There it is. AEW Dynamite is the name of the show. Um, I would imagine over the course of the next two weeks, uh, we'll be here. You know, that that will really start to build. I think uh, they're smart to just let NXT have this first wave of promotion. They, they're two weeks out before their TV show starts anyway. But I think, I, think, I think a week before Dynamite, as it were, debuts on TNT... I think that that's when uh, they'll start to, to you'll start to really feel the build and feel the hype for what's coming. October 2nd is going to be a fun week, man. Uh, story number three, speaking of uh, fun weeks, that same week, October 4th, two days after the Wednesday, the Friday, SmackDown Live debuts on Fox Television, Network Television, in New York Channel 5, 8 p.m. Friday night, and... No surprise, uh, they're pulling out all the stops. They've already said it's going to be the 20th anniversary of SmackDown. They've already said there's going to be special guests. But the big news is, for the first time in, I think, 14 years, 
Brock Lesnar is going to be wrestling on television. It's going to be on SmackDown. And he's going to be wrestling Kofi Kingston for the WWE Championship. I don't think that anybody's terribly surprised that this match is happening. You know, this, there, there, was many, there were many rumblings about this. Um, I think that people were surprised that Brock Lesnar was on SmackDown this week. And the match was made. That was a shock. Um, but, and, and, you know, and people go, well, what happens now? I think the only thing you can do, I think Brock Lesnar should win the title on SmackDown, you know, and people go like, oh, what do you want a part-time champion? If he wins the title on SmackDown, he won't be back until the Royal Rumble. I don't think so. I don't think so. Here's the thing. Brock Lesnar has a thing in his contract where he gets paid per appearance. The reason he doesn't show up that often is because his appearances are very expensive. Except for this. They're going to be paid a billion dollars to put on a TV show. So WWE would probably be smart to use some of that billion dollars to get Brock Lesnar on the TV show a little bit more frequently. I mean, he's gone through strings where he does quite a few Raws. Is he going to wrestle on SmackDown? Certainly not. But is he going to appear on SmackDown with the WWE Championship? I believe that he will. I believe that they'll pay the money for it to happen. I believe that it will be worth the money. Um, because, you know, the ratings uh, have to be there, and Brock Lesnar is going to bring in ratings. You know, whether you like it or not, Brock Lesnar is a huge draw, still. And I think that, I'll tell you why I think he should beat Kofi Kingston for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think that the uh, casual fans that tune into SmackDown want to see this match, and uh, We'll be able to get behind this. This is a very easy story to tell. If you haven't watched WWE in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and you just look at Kofi Kingston, and you look at Brock Lesnar, you listen to the music. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Boom. 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 And he's throwing pancakes, and he's clapping. He's got bright colors. It looks like the yellow brick road as he walks to the ring. Good guy. And his opponent. Doom. 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 Doom, 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 doom. Oh, you mean the giant man with a sword tattooed on his chest? Yeah, I'm going to say bad guy. And you got to watch the good guy try to beat the unbeatable. You know, that's a, I mean, you, you could never watch wrestling in your life. You can understand that story. And I think for that audience specifically, they should see Brock Lesnar beat Kofi Kingston. You know, I think that that's, because people don't want it to happen. People believe it. But nobody wants it to happen. People want to see Kofi Kingston beat Brock Lesnar. So I think that it should happen. I think that the money's got to be spent to keep Brock Lesnar around on SmackDown. And then I think that we go back to what I've said on previous podcasts when Brock Lesnar and Kofi Kingston's names have come up. I think that there will be a huge investment in Kofi Kingston trying to get that rematch with Brock Lesnar. Eventually, I want to see... Kofi Kingston beat Brock Lesnar on a pay-per-view. But I think it will be better for Kofi Kingston if he beats Brock Lesnar for the championship, not if he retains the title from Brock Lesnar. When Kofi Kingston pins Brock Lesnar clean, I want him to win the title at that point, not retain the title. I don't want that to be just another challenger going down to Kofi because where does he go from there? I want that to be the jump-off point for Kofi Kingston's second WWE title reign. Your two-time WWE champion. 
And, you know, he, he walks in with nothing, and he gets to finally beat Brock Lesnar and hold the title up high. That's the picture I eventually want. But that's the story that I think can be told over the first couple months of SmackDown on Fox. By the way, I think based on what's going on with Braun Strowman right now, I think Braun Strowman has to be brought to SmackDown. The draft is going down. They've already announced it. It's going to start uh, October 11th, and then the Monday Night Raw after it. So the second episode of SmackDown on Fox, the draft will begin, and the draft will conclude the Monday thereafter. Uh, so it'll be, what, October uh, 11th, and then the 14th on Fox, and then USA. I think that the first episode of SmackDown should end with Brock Lesnar holding the title in victory over Kofi Kingston. And what's next? And the second episode of SmackDown should begin with Brock Lesnar in the ring and Braun Strowman coming in and confronting him. I think that Kofi Kingston should be pushed out of the title scene so that Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar can build. And I think we lead into... uh, I guess Hell in a Cell will be that first weekend. So whatever the whatever the pay-per-view is in November, we're going to head towards Survivor Series with a Braun Strowman-Brock Lesnar match. And we're going to build to that on SmackDown on Fox. That, I think, is the way to go, personally. You know, the risk is, well, what if you do... Brock Lesnar versus Kofi on SmackDown. Brock wins, and then two days later, because keep in mind, the first SmackDown is two days before Hell in a Cell. It's a go-home show. So, I mean, there's so much content. So what happens if, if that, you know, what happens if if you uh, if you do that? If you have the rematch happen two days later at Hell in a Cell and Kofi beats Brock? Yeah, but I'd rather, I'd rather us have to struggle with it. I'd rather it look like Kofi's never going to get a rematch and that the company has moved on. And then Kofi has to fight his way back to getting that rematch. And I would, you know what I would do? Here's what I would do. This is great. I would, uh, while Braun Strowman is fighting with Brock Lesnar, I would turn Ali heel and have him try to take out Kofi Kingston and say, Kofi, we all know eventually you're going to get that rematch. I'm going to put you in the hospital. I'm going to make it so you can't have that rematch. And when you can't get that rematch, I'm going to get the opportunity that I should have had in 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 January, February, whenever Elimination Chamber was. Seven months ago, I was on the shelf, and you took advantage. You took my spot, and you went to WrestleMania and lived my dream. Kofi, I'm going to put you in the hospital, and you'll never get to live my dream again. I'm going to end your career. I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be cool. I'd like to take a time out to talk about the things that I like in this world. I like true crime, and I like sports stories. I don't even like sports, but I'll watch any of these 30 for 30s. I watch sports documentaries nonstop. And you know what I really like? When there's crimes that happen in sports. To me, it's about as interesting as it gets. You're talking about fame. You're talking about a lot of money. You're talking about even more ego. It's the things that make athletes seem superhuman, okay? But guess what? 
When you start talking about the crimes, you start seeing the, the, the darker sides of the humanity. All of a sudden, these superhumans get stripped down to the essence of who they really are. And you can hear all about that every single week thanks to the Parcast Network's new podcast, Sports Criminals. It explores some of the most significant sports crimes in all the world. You remember when uh, NFL receiver Ray Carruth hired a friend to murder his pregnant girlfriend? Some of these crimes are reckless. Like when NBA star Jason Williams shot his limo driver to death and tried to cover it up. It's really mind-boggling when you see these people that are such public figures and that have the world on a silver platter in front of them ruin everything in some of the, the weirdest, strangest, most tragic, very often, ways. Sports criminals, athletes you thought you knew, crimes you won't forget. Listen and subscribe to Sports Criminals for free on Spotify and anywhere you listen to podcasts or visit parcast.com slash sports criminals to listen now. Story number two this week on the state of wrestling is what I found to be a very polarizing episode of Monday Night Raw. A lot going on on this episode. First of all, Renee Young, Michael Cole, Corey Graves, they were, as the kids say, on one. I, I don't know what was going on. They took uh, wacky pills, and uh, some of the stuff that was coming out of all of them was uh, MVP, uh, Hall of Fame-level calls. It was just I felt like you got the feeling that you haven't really had, I've, in my opinion, on Raw in a little while, which has been you got to see the kinship that the three of them have together. You got to see... The fact that, you know, when this team was first made, all three of them said that they were friends. And you felt that watching Raw this week. And I thought that was really fun. They were all having a good time. They were laughing at stuff that should have been laughed at. They were mocking stuff that should have been mocked. They were taking stuff seriously that should have been taken seriously. I thought it was a really nice mix. And uh, they were saying some crazy, crazy things as well. Um, But I guess it started... uh, with the opening segment, obviously, with Seth doing the promo and then the Firefly Funhouse thing airing and then the upside down graphics, which Renee called out. And like so many people, I think everybody that I read was like, oh, my God, Renee is going to get yelled at for calling out the graphics. This, like, was I the only one who watched that and said, clearly, these are meant to be upside down. Like, clearly, that was done on purpose. And you might go, why was it done on purpose? For the same reason why the show ended with 17 minutes of a Firefly Funhouse logo. Number one, it's going to get people talking because they'll go like, oh my God, there's a mistake on TV and Renee Young just called it out. Like that felt very much like, okay, this is supposed to happen. There were multiple upside down graphics. They would have fixed it. And number two, Bray Wyatt messes stuff up. Bray Wyatt messes up the lights. Bray Wyatt, you know, You know, I thought that, like, I was watching, and I was like, oh, I guess that's a Wyatt thing, maybe. And then Renee called it out. I was like, oh, that's funny. And then everybody was like, whoa, Renee's going to get fired. Like, I was like, what? So, I mean, I get, maybe I'm wrong. But I thought clearly that the upside-down graphics were an intentional part of the show, maybe made to feel unintentional. Um, and just another thing, like, you know, sometimes on Raw and on SmackDown, I guess. I can't think of when it's happened on SmackDown. But sometimes things are done in a way that's made to look unintentional to add some realism, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons. But, you know, I I think that that was done on purpose, personally. Um, 
But a lot of good matches. Another good King of the Ring match. I feel like almost all the tournament matches were great. Um, women's tag match. Sasha Banks taking some shots at Alexa Bliss. I saw the internet get all fired up over that. Uh, but um, I feel like the segment that got everybody, first of all, the 24-7 title stuff was good as always. Um, there was a lot of Fiend stuff. And I think, I don't think that it was just like, oh, well, now we have this character. We're just going to use him all the time. I think the reason there is so much Fiend stuff happening on Raw this week is because between SummerSlam and Clash of Champions, there wasn't that much Bray Wyatt stuff at all. And that's because he wasn't on the pay-per-view anyway. But now he's going to main event a pay-per-view. So I think that they're just getting people used to the idea that he's here, that he's that he's part of the day-to-day. I mean, you know, the main event of the pay-per-view was Braun Strowman versus Seth Rollins. And leading up to Clash of Champions, Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins were, like, on Raw constantly. So I think that that's why there's so much Fiend on Monday Night Raw right now. But so far, it's been all good stuff. Um, I got very jealous of the people that are from Knox County. Imagine if not only is your mayor Kane, but while he's the mayor... He's still coming out as Kane. I think that's awesome that he actually did it and that he took that bump. See, and that's the way it should be done because you're watching and you're going like, oh, wait a minute. They're having Kane take out all the bad guys? Nope. The Fiend comes in and takes out the legend. I love that. I love that use of the Fiend. And then that closing shot where like the Fiend is like on top of Seth Rollins and and then it goes to the Firefly Funhouse for like uncomfortably long time and it's scratchy and stuff. It just it's ballsy to do stuff like that because it's unconventional and it's against the formula and it's really, really good. The Fiend is really, really good. As a horror movie fanatic, he's a horror movie come to life and he's making it work. It's not corny, it's not cheesy. Like, I want more. And we got more than ever, and I still want more. And I'm not sitting there like Anybody else, anybody else, you'd go, he's had one match, one match, and he's already getting a universal title opportunity. But with The Fiend, you're like, yeah, bring it on. Give it to me. I want it. I think probably the biggest uh, uh, head scratcher, I'll say, from Raw was, um, I'm making sure that I didn't, yeah, yeah, I mean, it was uh, the Michael Canellis stuff. Maria and Michael Canales. People thought that segment was ridiculous. We have the gender reveal party. Maria says, yeah, but Mike, it's a boy, but it's Ricochet's boy. You're not the father. Mike's like, what? And he open hand slaps Ricochet, which I was like, what guy finds out that another man fathered his wife's child and then just open hand slaps him like he challenges him to a duel or something? I was like, what? Um... But he challenges Ricochet. Ricochet was like, it's not mine. Mari came out for a paternity test. Ricochet beats him real, real quick. Maria was like, I was trying to uh, motivate you. Obviously, it's not Ricochet's baby. It's this guy's. And we find out that sexy mustachioed Rusev is the father of Maria Canales' unborn child. Um, he then And then Mike Canales says, you know what? It's all good. Don't even worry about it. And then Rusev beats him up anyway and walks out with his pregnant wife. I mean, it is so ridiculous. And then Corey Graves called him a beta cuck. And then uh, Michael Cole called him a loser. <laughs> oh, I love wrestling so much. So uh, I thought it was, you know, here's the thing. 
Everybody goes, oh, man, the Attitude Era was the best, man. When are they going to get back to the Attitude Era? I don't know what anybody thinks the Attitude Era was. That was the most Attitude Era segment of all time. That was The Attitude Era was almost nothing but segments like that. You know, like we're two steps away from Maria giving birth to a hand. They're putting, they're making a pregnant woman look more pregnant on TV. She is legit pregnant. And they're like, well, you can use this. <laughs> and like, she's going to have to stop traveling soon because she's legit pregnant. So I don't know what the plan is for her and Rusev long term. I also don't know what the plan is for Michael Canellis long term. If he's going to back down after finding out that another man fathered the child he thought was his. And then the guy's going to beat him up anyway. Um, but clearly it's something, you know. Well, I, you know, I, I don't think they're prepping him for a title run. But I also don't think like this idea like, oh, they're burying him. Oh, they're burying Mike Canellis. Like, no, they buried Luke Harper. <laughs> he was gone. They made him disappear. That's burying. Unless, but except then he came back hotter than ever. If he had never come back, that would have been a burial. But I, I mean, it's wrestling. Like, it's entertainment. Everybody knows that. If Mike Canales was like, I mean, next week, he could come out. He could say, I'm tired of your nonsense. Maria, I want a divorce. And then he beats up Rusev, and he'd be a super good guy. Everybody would take him seriously. So, yeah, I, you know, everybody understands it's entertainment. I just, I thought Raw was fun, man. I thought it was a weird, wacky variety show. Um, I liked the weirdness of it. And I think, really, if you're going to have a thing where you have NXT on television and you have SmackDown and you have Raw, let Raw drift into becoming a soap opera circus. Why not? NXT is going to give you, like, something for hardcore wrestling fans. SmackDown's going to give you something else over here. Why not let Raw have this wacky stuff going on? It's three hours. You know? I thought it was good. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was funny. Uh, the story number one this week is NXT coming to the USA Network. Now, uh, again, this segment, this podcast, is being taped before NXT on the USA Network exists. Several hours before, uh, there will be an addendum podcast to this podcast. If it's not already out on the exact same feed that you downloaded this from, uh, it will be very, very soon. It's coming out the same day that this gets released, um, and it will be my immediate reaction to NXT on USA. But let's talk about how special this is. Adam Cole was just talking about it in the interview that we had on the show today. Um, firstly, I, I think that you have to allow, uh, you have to give credit to the NXT stars. Like this, this, you have to allow, you can't sit here and say, it's unfair, you can, but it's unfair to sit here and say, well, they're just bringing NXT in to compete with AEW. Because NXT deserves to be in the position they're, they're in in a vacuum, independent of any other competition. NXT deserves to be in the spot that they're in. And quite frankly, if I'm an NXT superstar right now, I'm not thinking about winning Wednesday nights. I'm thinking about winning the week. If I'm an NXT superstar, I want to go out there and I want to be the best wrestling show on TV. I'm not looking at AEW Dynamite as my only competition. I'm looking at the Dynamite. I'm looking at the Raw. I'm looking at the SmackDown. I'm looking into Impact on Access. But... I think that the NXT superstars, the same way, I'm sure that they go into pay-per-view weekends wanting TakeOver to be better than the main roster's pay-per-view. I bet that they want their NXT show to be better than Raw or SmackDown. I think the NXT TV show is going to be amazing. I think they have a real shot to have the best 
TV wrestling TV show. And maybe, I don't know if it'll translate to the mainstream. I believe that it will. I think that if wrestling fans like it the best, non-wrestling fans will feel similar. You know, I don't think that there is this separation. I think good TV is good TV. Good storytelling is good storytelling. Entertainment is entertainment. I think if you're putting on the best wrestling show, you're putting on the best show. And I think that NXT has a very good chance of becoming wrestling fans' favorite wrestling TV show. And if it becomes wrestling fans' favorite wrestling TV show, I think it will become everybody's favorite wrestling TV show. I think that's just the way it works. Um, you know, I, I think that it's a, it's a huge opportunity for everybody. I hope nobody gets called up. You know, because this is the call-up. This is it. Tonight is the night that NXT becomes the main roster. They called up the entire brand. NXT has been called up. And here we are. Let's go. Triple H did a conference call with the media, and uh, I was reading about it, and one of the things I think I was reading uh, Sean Ross Sapp's Twitter uh, thread about everything that they were saying... Um, because he's a pretty reliable uh, wrestling reporter there on the internet. And uh, and one of the things that was pointed out was that uh, they are looking at doing more takeovers like they did TakeOver 25, separate from main roster shows. And I have to tell you, being at TakeOver 25 was an, a different experience. There was this feeling of the NXT guys wanting to own their brand. They didn't want, they loved not being looked at as piggybacking off the main roster. They loved the idea that they, just NXT, was coming into town, going into an arena, and putting on one of the best wrestling shows in the world. And I think that that's the attitude that they have, and I think that's the attitude they're going to carry with them. I was thinking about what brought them to this point, you know? And it's only been a few years, really. But... I think that when you look at the history of NXT, I think Sami Zayn's placement in NXT is very, very, very interesting because I think Sami Zayn is technically in the conversation with Kevin Owens and Finn Balor and at the time Hideo Itami, but Sami Zayn was there before them. Sami Zayn was like, so there was the there was the the era where NXT FCW NXT was new. FCW had just kind of become NXT. And that's when, you know, you had Seth Rollins as the champion. Um you had uh uh, uh Roman Reigns there, you had uh, uh Corey Graves was there, Corey Graves and Neville were the tag champs, you know, all that was going on. And that was that kind of first generation where NXT was finding itself. And the WWE Network did big things for NXT. It, it gave them a much bigger audience. You know, I think that before the WWE Network, NXT was most famous for the, the ridiculous show that was on the Sci-Fi Network. That really the only thing that it has in common is that it shares a name, NXT. It's not considered even in NXT history. Um, but once it got to the WWE Network, it was when people started paying attention. Let's keep in mind, the WWE Network... The first live show on the network was NXT Arrival. It was an NXT. It was what Takeover became. And again, really, the reason that was put on the network was because they wanted to test the technology. 
they wanted to figure out if it would work. And what ended up happening was they put on this amazing wrestling show and exposed a whole new world to it. I think NXT really turned a corner when Finn Balor and Kevin Owens showed up. And when Finn Balor was the NXT champion. I think Finn Balor's run is as NXT champion is probably the most important NXT championship run in the history of the promotion. Because I think it, it took them to an entirely different level. That was when you had established guys coming in and changing their names, but not reinventing themselves. Tweaking, tweaking, but not reinventing themselves. Embracing who they were before they were in NXT, but changing their names and tweaking. You know what I mean? And, and that is when they started to begin to tour. That is when Finn Balor and Kevin Owens, that class, Hideo Tommy as well, that is when they started to develop as a brand where you were sitting there going like, no, I li- I'm an NXT fan. I like NXT. It, what, that's, when it, that's when it stopped to me just being about developmental and more about being an entertainment brand, another wrestling brand. Around that same time is when you had the rise of the four horsewomen, Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Becky Lynch. You know, one of the one of the very early uh, classic NXT matches was Natalia versus Charlotte. That is the match that really was a breakout for Charlotte. Um, you know, uh, I, the before takeovers were being done the same weekend as pay per views back when they were still being still done at full sale. NXT ran their biggest building ever. It was 5,000 seats, and it was in San Jose before WrestleMania 31, also known as WrestleMania Play Button. That live event was main evented by Sasha Banks versus Charlotte. Legend has it that that was the night that Vince McMahon realized that women could main event. That, that, that Vince McMahon was there watching, legend has it, that show, and looked around and saw the reaction that... that Sasha Banks and Charlotte were getting and kind of couldn't believe it and just saw where the business was going. And it was a year later that Sasha Banks, Bailey, you know, Sasha Banks, Becky, and Charlotte were plastered on the side of the Dallas Stadium. You know, we go a step forward, and I think the debut of Samoa Joe was very important to NXT. The debut of Samoa Joe was... uh the first time that a talent was brought in with the intention of just being an NXT. You talk to Samoa Joe, you've interviewed him about it multiple times, and he says that there was never the he was never supposed to go to the main roster. That's why he didn't change his name. That's why he didn't change his gimmick. He didn't change his look. He didn't change anything. Samoa Joe was just a well-known independent wrestler. He had had a huge career in Impact, and he was there for NXT. Now, Of course, he prospered and eventually got to the main roster. But again, it changed the way everything was done. So I think the addition of Samoa Joe was very important. And that's when things start to really change. Then comes Bobby Roode. Then comes, you know, Drew McIntyre comes back. You know, right around the Samoa Joe time as well is, is, or I think before, right before Samoa Joe was TakeOver Brooklyn 1. I think the most important TakeOver of all time. Because that was the takeover where they were like, okay, we tried the San Jose show at WrestleMania. Let's see 
if we can play at the Barclays, we'll black out the tops and we'll just sell 5,000 seats at the Barclays. We'll try to get 5,000 in there and it'll look cool. They sold out the entire building and they realized that they were onto something here. And NXT continued to grow and grow and grow. In my opinion, what brought them to the level that they're at now was their 2018 and the story of Adam Cole and Johnny, I mean, uh, uh, the story of, of Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Again, two guys that are brought in from the indies because they got a little bit of buzz. No intention of ever bringing them up to the main roster. They were actually allowed to wrestle NXT and still keep their independent dates, you know? And they were a tag team. It was just like, oh, cool. These indie guys that are still on the indies are also doing stuff in NXT. Never slated to be main event guys. Never slated to be any of this stuff. Because they were the ones that fans wanted to see, they grew and grew and grew to the point where, as a tag team, they became super popular. Then the split happens... And the series of matches they had have not been beaten by any other story in wrestling since. It's the, it's the best rivalry in, you know, the last few years and hasn't been beaten in terms of being the best rivalry. I think that that story is what put TakeOver on another level and what brought them to the place that as a company they deserve to be on TV because that's the caliber now that they were working at. And by the way, after that story was done being told and Tommaso Ciampa went back on the shelf, NXT was able to maintain that spot. NXT was able to maintain that level of quality. And even as they lost guys, even as they lost Aleister Black, they built, they started building Aleister Black, they lose him. You know? I mean, think about how good uh, uh, halftime heat was good enough that half the guys on the show got scooped up and brought right up to the main roster. But that's okay. We keep it moving. They build up Ricochet, lose him to the main roster. EC3 starts to make a couple rumblings, lose him to the main roster. That's okay because there's more talent coming and we keep it going. That's how you know it's a, it's, a, it's a brand because no matter what, they set the bar and they stay. They don't dip down. And I, I, it's an amazing thing, you know. And you look, I mean, I got a bunch of action figures on the desk right now. These are the people that we're going to see in NXT. Ciampa, again, injured, but he'll be back at some point. But you got Ciampa. You have Johnny Gargano. You have Adam Cole. Roderick Strong. Kyle O'Reilly. Bobby Fish. Shayna Baszler. Velveteen Dream. Pete Dunne. Rhea Ripley. The list goes on and on and on and on. And it's an amazing thing. And I think that, that that's where Adam Cole steps in. I think that Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa and their rivalry put NXT on such a high pedestal, a pedestal that is higher than any place they had been before. Who is going to be able to maintain this? And that is where Adam Cole and Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong come in. And they say, here we are. And that's the discipline of NXT too. Because Adam Cole has been around for over a year. Two years. Adam Cole's been around in NXT for... It's been... Or maybe... No, it's... Well, it's definitely over a year. And now, he's just trying, starting to hit his stride. Now he's just hitting his peak. Not hitting his peak, but like, you know, like, like getting to where potentially he could have been. They could have done all this as soon as he got there, but nope. 
We got a good thing going on here. Let's save you. And boom, as soon as it's time, we're going to go for it. And they did. And that, to me, is where we're at now. I can't wait to see the show tonight. Again, we taped this on a Wednesday. It is what it is. We're going to continue. This is a to-be-continued. We're going to continue the state of wrestling after NXT airs. If you're still, if you're locked into this, there will be an addendum podcast. It will come out within hours of this one, and we'll talk about everything that happens on NXT on USA. It's an amazing time to be a wrestling fan. So happy you all are here with me riding this wave. It is so much fun. Um, I would say we'll see you next week, but we'll see you in a few hours for the Addendum Podcast. Talk to you later, man. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.